Welcome everyone to the Daily Kofefi. Today is, I don't know what day is today, Tuesday, May 28th, and here you are on Unsafe Space. Please hit the subscribe button. I'm your host, Carter Laren, and I'm joined, as always, by my co-host, who is not going to yell at me today. We're in good moods and on the same page today, uh, Carrie Smith. Hi, Carter. Good morning. Good morning. Um, we're going to, I think we're going to bond today, carry over some fun, ridiculous stuff. <laughs> I'm actually excited about this topic because I know, I know, okay, some of our people who watch this are probably going to think this is a parody site, but let me just I say. Think, so I just want to clear, even I am not totally sure, except for that I know you and you're going to educate us about that this probably is not parody. This is not parody. There's a lot of <laughs> there's a lot of crap like this in the SJW movement. It's <sighs> kind of amazing. Uh, it's sad. It's sad and it's uh, astounding and it's it's evil. <laughs> I, I mean, that's a great word for it. But it exists. And the crazier thing is like all the roles that people play in it. You know, the roles that anyway. Let's talk about what no it one is. Nobody even knows what we're talking about yet. Yeah. How about, yeah. Uh, how about we tell them? Okay. I'll just show the screen, I guess. I don't know what else to say about this because this is a thing. It is called, I'm reading for people who are listening only. It's called Race to Dinner, R-A-C-E, the number two, dinner.com. And on the front page, there's a picture of a black woman with a single melodramatic tear dripping from her eye, and the text over it says, white women, you are coming to the table to bear witness to our pain. And uh, I guess I could read this, but I'd rather, Carrie, why don't you just explain to us what the hell this is and why you think it's not a parody? I agree it's not a parody, having researched it, but... Yeah, so it's become... Uh quite popular for, I would say, um, people with bad intentions and people who have a lot of toxic, like hatred or, or negative emotions to take advantage of social justice warrior ideology that the ideology we criticize a lot on deprogrammed. And so there are a lot of these workshops that, um, there's one, there's one famous lady you can she became famous because somebody shot some video of hers, but there's a lot of these workshops. Ashley Shackleford is one you can look up on YouTube um, where she's yelling. To, it, it's like white women pay to go there for the weekend <laughs> and then be told that uh, their lack of melanin, melanin makes them demonic, um, that their feelings, they're told uh, we don't care about your feelings. Actually, even on this website, uh, they talk about white tears. They talk about white female tears. Uh, it says, you know, you are going, white women, you need to sit in your discomfort. <laughs> um, dear white women, you've caused immeasurable pain and damage <laughs> to brown and black women. We are here to sit down with you to candidly explain how you caused this pain and damage. <laughs> yeah. We are not here to change anything. We are here to express the pain that you have caused, white women. What you do after you leave the dinner is up to you. We don't care about your feelings all caps, sit with that for a minute. <laughs> Your feelings pale in comparison to the violence, the violence you have caused black and brown women. 
sincerely, and it's the people who started Race to Dinner, Regina Jackson's and Sarah Syra Rao. Um, if you go to, I haven't been to Regina's Twitter feed yet, but if you go to Sarah's, S-A-I-R-A-R-A-O, I mean, it just reads, again, it reads like it could be a parody, but it's not. Um, well, here she is, actually, because yeah. uh, she, so I, I looked at this a little bit. She ran for Congress. She's in Colorado. She ran for Congress. Uh, <laughs> she, write, she writes, we didn't win the race, but she put win in quotes. So maybe, maybe she won in her own mind. <laughs> um, she didn't win the race, uh, but she's got a little thing. Stay woke. Join her when we started a movement. Uh, this is her. She looks just like kind of a normal mom, frankly. But she she started this along with this woman, Regina Jackson. So so Syra is in Colorado. Regina is here with me in the belly of the beast, in 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 the Bay Area. She's actually I think she's in Oakland, and she is actually extremely well-educated and has a lot of leadership positions and focuses on, and this will be relevant to people who are worried about racists taking over schools. She focuses on youth development and, and, and education. So she is a youth development person. Um, that's her expertise, but, but she together with Syra here, I don't know how to pronounce her name. I'm not butchering it intentionally doesn't matter she i know i'm guilty uh, <laughs> she and syra have started this race to dinner thing together apparently and and what it is so i i read about this carrie i know you did too but what it is is they <clears throat> the explanation they have is that uh after syra ran for congress and lost women i guess white women in particular although i i imagine it's just people generally but she's in a culture with mostly white women uh, came up to her to talk to her. And apparently a lot of them wanted to say that they weren't racist and they supported her somehow. And she got tired of like being told that white women weren't racist and she didn't want to talk to people about their not being racist. So the next time someone asked her to talk, she said, I'll go if, if Regina Jackson goes with me and a bunch of white women are together, fine, I'll go to a dinner. So now if you're a guilt-laden white woman, you can scroll down to the bottom of this page here and you can, you can, you can host a dinner. You can click, click here to smash your right, white fragility. Click here to smash your white fragility. You can click and you can fill this out. It says change starts with you. So you're willing to set aside your white woman tears to start the process of hosting your race to dinner, fill out the form below. And I assume it's your name, email address, phone number, blah, blah, blah. And then, and a little message. I assume the message needs to be sufficiently contrite and self-flagellating in order to get selected to allow this woman to come to your house and apparently break your plates. I don't know, have a dinner, uh, bitch <laughs> about your melanin, lack of melanin content. And, uh, there we go. So if you look at her Twitter feed, Syra, I was just looking at hers and she looks like a parody, but it's true. It's like uh, she, her, hers, 
pronouns. Her pen tweet is, if you're not actively anti-racist, you're actively racist. Um, this is a, this is like the, your, your silence is violent stuff, right? Um, oh, they actually have a picture of your silence is violence somewhere on one of their Oh, pages. I'm like, sure they do because you're guilty no matter what you do. Um, she has, is, is abolish ice. There's a bunch of abolish ice stuff on here, but she just tweeted something about abolish ice because it's racist. Uh, she's retweeting people who say, I'm super tired of white people profiting off of anti-racism work, like really tired especially in a climate where black people are constantly undervalued and shat upon for daring to demand compensation for our work. So this is interesting because within the ideology, like press professional SJWs, they both simultaneously tell white people that they need to uh, be allies and that they need to uh, do the hard work and they need, they need to be the ones doing the anti-racism work because it shouldn't be on the shoulders of the oppressed to do it. <laughs> but then when you do it, they uh, then it's like you, you can't win if any of if any uh, professional white professional SJWs get criticized for profiting off of anti-racism work just as well. So it's just a really um, like like Robin D'Angelo, who, who coined the term white fragility. Um, people like that, by the way, I think are completely I think they've sold their soul and I think they're they're walking zombies but you they take it to the ultimate limit it's like achievement level unlocked of like wokest white ally possible and then they're criticized for being the wokest white ally which is kind of funny um but yeah these things exist uh the type of woman i mean i want to talk about this because i just want to say i've met a lot of white women on the left who fall for crap like this and um there's and comments on the facebook page from white women i mean it's a, like a real those are the people I'm, those are the people who are well-intentioned Carter. And so I want to say something about those women, the women who are paying to go to shit like this. Those are the women who actually are well-intentioned, but there's something really wrong with them or their, their, uh, their intention to do good is being manipulated to such a degree that they're becoming zombies and, and foot soldiers for something they claim to be against, which is racism. So, um, can I share just a quick anecdotal story with you? Oh, I think it would be great if okay. you would. I'm looking at this page and I'm reminded of all these things that you've told me over the years. Like, it's all these arguments. We can disagree and still love each other, unless your disagreement is rooted in my oppression and denial of my humanity and right to exist. Yes. This page is full of all of this crap. Crap. Um, this, like, it's all racist and it's... Uh, here, here's a, look, they've got another one. White silence is white violence. Total crap. It's all this. <laughs> hey, guess what, guys? Words aren't violence and silence is not violence. Yeah, the majority of toxic white allies are white toxic liberals. And here's why. Your motivation doesn't come from wanting to dismantle systemic racism and oppression. It comes from the still white supremacist desire to be better than other whites. Well, that's true. <laughs> I agree with something on this page. Anyway. Yeah. But I didn't like, interrupt and, and, yeah, and uh, sidetrack you from hearing the anecdote. I want to hear the anecdote. So there's this group that I got added to uh, on Facebook that presumably had similar goals to the civility dinners that I do, but it actually doesn't because it's about, it's about using civility to convince people on the right while they're wrong, which I think it, you're starting from a faulty premise because the premise is that you're right. <laughs> and you have nothing to learn from them right so it's kind of like using civility as some karate or i don't know to anyway so i was in this group it was started by a white woman 
and there's a ton of woke SJWs in the group. And um, uh, she went, she's a white woman who started it. She paid to go to one of these conferences where you get yelled at about how racist you are. (laughs) She wrote about it. And then a ton of people in her own group, a ton of white women turned on her. So here's her story. I'm not going to, oh, because they, she, they, they agreed with the organizers. You guys listen to this and tell me what you think. Is it okay if I read some of this? I'm not going to name it. Yeah, absolutely. Read. Yeah. Okay. Dear her group, I have a story to share about race conversations. It is not a happy story, nor is it a story without moral ambiguity. However, I think it's a story that captures one important aspect of our difficulties discussing race in America. On the recommendation of someone I trusted, I recently went to a two-day workshop advertised as an opportunity for helping white women overcome their racism, especially racism directed against black women. It was led by a black woman who warned us ahead of time that the workshop would be a no-holds-barred, in-your-face approach to forcing us to confront our own biases. Sounds a lot like these dinners. Based on that description, I was a bit anxious going in, but I felt that my skills that I practice in my group here, training in psychiatry and general experience talking about race would put me in good stead. In retrospect, I was right that my background was critical to navigating the experience, but I was ill-prepared for what was to come nonetheless. This person is so trusting of this whole bullshit ideology that she puts herself in this situation and has no idea what's coming. Okay, the first sign that this workshop was not what I had hoped came when I introduced myself and explained why I was there. I talked about wanting to work on my own biases and added that I felt a special responsibility in this regard because I run an organization that's overwhelmingly white. All in all, it seemed to me a pretty innocuous statement, but the leader of the workshop immediately went on the attack. Quote, so you're telling us that you run a white supremacist organization? <laughs> As you might have... <laughs> Don't we all? <laughs> Everything's awesome. As you might imagine, I was disoriented and threatened by her question, but I did my best to not become defensive. I stammered and explained that we were doing our best to be a welcoming and safe space for people of color, but we admittedly had plenty more work to do, which was why I was there. Quote, how many paid people of color are there advertising your organization? Um, None. No one is paid. So you're telling me you have no people of color in the leadership of your organization? Uh, No, our, our political director is black, but we just don't have a budget, so he's never been paid. Oh, so you're using a black man as a slave labor for your white supremacist organization? <laughs> <laughs> Nobody's paid. <laughs> I it's so, by the way, it is so easy to be the leader of that group. It's so easy to do. Yes. It, it's just, it doesn't take any brains at all to just pick on people to that extent. Oh, oh, so you're... <laughs> It's a slave. Like it's it's not even it's anti-intellectual. I'm sorry. It's just- no, you're right. And it's bullying and it's yeah. toxic. And this woman, this white woman, all these white women who pay their money to go to crap like this, you're such an easy mark. It's like, here, abuse me. <laughs> like <laughs> let me pay you to abuse me. I want to talk about that in a minute, but finish your story. Okay. I mean, there's more to your story. I think there yeah, is. Yeah, there's more. Okay. Yeah. So she says, so you're using a black man as a slave labor for your white supremacist organization? I paused and looked, looked perplexed. Um, I'm sorry, I'm confused. So what, what was I supposed to do when he expressed interest in volunteering? Turn him away? Yes. <laughs> <laughs> in order to not be a white supremacist, you need to turn black people away. 
<laughs> from leadership positions. If any, if things had stopped there, it would have been bad enough. But she continued to press her case to the other people in this room. Okay, I'm going to call this woman Sally. To the other people in this room, do you think Sally understands how much damage her work is doing to people of color in this country? <laughs> now she's getting the mob to bull. This is like a real life example of what they do online where they get other white allies to come and pile on you to prove how not. Oh, say whatever you want me to say, black person. Exactly. I exactly. feel so guilty. Yeah. They're like, Sally's the racist, not me. Attack um, that one. Yeah. <laughs> There's the runt point, of the litter. We identified the runt of the litter. Right. Um, at that point, she went around the room calling on people by name, asking, does Sally get it? Every single person in that room said no. Not a single no. woman. Is the right answer no? No. And not a single woman out of about 20, a third of whom were people of color, pushed back or questioned her premise. She turned back to me, quote, I can already tell that you're one of those people who won't make it through this weekend because you can't bear to be put in your place. You can't face your own white supremacy. <laughs> I think I tried to respond to let her know I had every intention of staying. You have every intention of staying after that? <laughs> I would have stayed if I hadn't hit a camera. Okay. I think I tried to respond. Which to let we her should know. do if someone wants to fund a hidden camera uh, undercover op, we will totally totally go to one of these fucking things. Carrie will go undercover. She can speak the language. No one will know that she's not actually guilty about her whiteness. And uh, white women tears is what they yeah, call them. We will, we will get footage. I actually, this is absolutely true. So anybody listening, Carter and I talked about this before. And with our friend, Mike Harlow, we there are a number of these that have passed us by now. Cause we just didn't have the money to afford to do it, but we would love to do undercover stuff like this. So anyway, yeah. <laughs> we have to go pro. We have the GoPro. We so into a purse mining or something, but yeah, okay. Yeah, we just need some travel, and we need to pay the ridiculous fees to racists like this to be able to go yeah. be told. Where that's that. If there's actually, if you can send counterfeit money that will work, <laughs> I really don't like paying these people. So counterfeit money mm -hmm. would. Um, okay, so you can't face your own white supremacy. I think I tried to respond to let her know I had every intention of staying, but she cut me off. No, you don't get to talk. That's the problem with you white women. You talk too much. In this space, I will talk and you will listen. That's all I remember from our initial interaction. There were, like, she was like stunned. There were many more to come. I was clearly the chosen scapegoat. By the second day, I think she realized she wasn't going to bait me, so she found a new weaker target. She found new weaker targets and lit into them. Ultimately, I made it through the entire workshop. The first day was the hardest. When I headed home that night, I was tired and upset, but I thought I'd done a pretty good job maintaining my equi equanimity. The moment I crossed the threshold of my home, however, I completely collapsed. I have never sobbed like that before in front of my husband and children. Not when I was diagnosed with cancer, not when I was hospitalized for depression, not when people I loved have died. If you want to dismiss my experience, now this is when I get serious because I do feel for this woman. I know I've been making fun of it, but I feel for her because she's a true believer. And I'm reading this because this is the type of person who you, people who are critical of my old ideology may not realize exists. She's a true believer. She went there with good intent. She's bought into this BS. She's there to cleanse herself. It's like a revival, but cleansing yourself of your whiteness, right? Your white toxic whiteness. Um, at this point in the story, it's like she's sort of waking up to some of the stuff that people like, like people who have left it, like myself, have been trying to say, like, 
this is not, you don't need to do this. This is racist. It's not anti-racist, right? Like, don't believe. She's kind of waking up. She goes, if you want to dismiss my experience as white fragility, go ahead. In my mind, though, it was bullying, plain and simple. It may have been cloaked in a veil of social justice, but it was all about exploiting an imbalance of power, teacher versus student, expert versus non-expert, leader versus follower, PhD candidate versus college grad, in order to demean and control the behavior of another. The irony in all of this is that for all the claims made about fighting white supremacy in this workshop, which it really what it really did was drive white people who were interested in being the best allies they could be away from the cause. Approximately half of the initial participants who were white either walked out or did not return on the second day and were bitterly mocked for it in their absence. And the people who stayed and seemed to buy into her approach undoubtedly walked away with the belief that hating on racists is the right way to fight white supremacy. The whole experience saddened me greatly, but perhaps what saddened me most was the lost opportunity for progress. Despite her abusive approach, the leader of the workshop actually had a wide range of useful concepts to offer. She was a very smart, charismatic person who shared powerful metaphors for understanding the challenges faced by black women in our society and the ways in which white women harm them. She also helped me understand why I have failed so completely in my attempts to form close relationships with women of color. In other words, there was no need for the abuse. She could have accomplished her stated goals more effectively without it. So she, goes, she continues, but in, in the end, she doesn't completely reject this. She says, at the end, will this stop me from being a social justice advocate? Absolutely not, but blah, 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 blah. So she's kind of, there's like a crack in it for this woman. And I'm like praying for her that she can, there, that crack continues to widen because this is not abnormal. This is the norm. And all you're seeing is someone who is taking the ideology and exploiting it, but they're not changing it. They're taking every single tenet and concept within it and they're just being a jerk about it to you. But all of that stuff isn't, you push this, you, you support the very words this woman is saying. You just don't like when they're directed on you, at you in this way. Because it kind of, it, it, it illuminates for you in a very personal way how evil this is. So, Well, the callous of the two of us would say, idiocy has its price. So, But you can stop being I don't, being feel, an I don't feel that bad for her. <laughs> yeah, but you can stop being an idiot. Oh, and, and the one other funny aside, as she says, this woman helped her understand why she has no close relationships with women of color. This same woman and a lot of white women in her group, which by the way, a lot of white women piled on her after this. They were like, oh, it is white fragility. You should have listened to her about your... <laughs> they did what the women in the group did. Of course did. they did. Physical of course. <laughs> yeah, they yep. piled on her. Of course they did. Um, but, but here's the reason. I think I've actually interacted with her or another woman in this group before and told them this. Hey, look, the reason you don't have close relationship with close relationships with women of color is because this belief system teaches you to view them only as women, view them by their race and their sex first. And it's like there is a woman of color. Let me go be friends with her. Like that's right. That's so fake. No one wants you to befriend them because of their melanin content. Exactly. <laughs> what is wrong? That's your motivation. It's the wrong motivation. Exactly. What's wrong? You're not looking like, hey, this person's cool. We share some interests or we have some differences, which are interesting. Like we click, we're friends. It's like, I see you target honed, like woman of color. Let's be friends. Like <laughs> target acquired. I need one. <laughs> so, uh. so disingenuous. Like just stop it. Just stop it. And you know why you're viewing people that way? You know why you're viewing people as like, but with their race first or their sex first is because you're buying into this crap. 
This crap is not anti-racist. It is not anti-sexist. It is the opposite. And you Actually, so can we, can we talk about why they're buying into it? And, and okay. I want to make one possible correction really quickly. I just found uh, this race to dinner thing says Regina Jackson and Syrah Rao, black and brown women in Denver, Colorado. So maybe it's not the Regina Jackson that I think it is. It might not be the one in Oakland. So oh, okay. bear that in mind, although maybe she moved to Denver. I'm not sure. But uh, that aside, I just want to say that because I want to be fair to, yeah. to this person. You yesterday talked about the elephant and the rider on the elephant, right? And the elephant being kind of your, I don't know if you said it was like limbic system, but it was your kind of emotional. Emotional mind. Uh, emotional mind, right? <clears throat> the problem is guilt. There's a lot of unearned guilt going around. And it is not, I don't think guilt is fundamentally, I don't think you fundamentally argue people into guilt in college. I think you need to have, you need to have a predisposition to feel bad about yourself and guilty. And I'm not sure, I haven't, I haven't thought this through about why there's an entire generation of people who feel guilty by their very existence. I imagine it has something to do with parenting. Um, but, you know, and, and maybe this is the first generation we're seeing of like latchkey, the latchkey kid generation, like kind of growing up and coming into power. Like it's mostly, it's Gen Xers, right? Are these people Gen Xers or, or millennials? Like what, what by and large, like it's a lot of, this woman, I think, is around my age. We're like at the end of Gen X and the beginning of the millennials. We're like right at the middle. Yeah. Right at the line. It, it's um, unearned guilt is not a virtue. Unearned guilt is vile and it's a corruption of everything that's good. You don't, you should not feel guilty for things that you didn't do. Guilt, you, you undermine the concept of guilt, the concept of justice, all of that. But I don't think, I think maybe some people can be argued into feeling guilty, but I, I gotta think that there's some emotional driver for these women who just, they feel, they feel guilty somehow. They, they have low self-esteem to start with. I don't know if it's guilt, but they've gotta feel bad about themselves or unworthy or inadequate or have some self-esteem issue for that argument to work for the argument that like hey you by being you and part of this class of people four percent of whom hold held you know had slaves 200 years ago <laughs> like it's a, it's funny to me that i should feel guilty that four percent of people with my skin color own slaves in the u.s 200 it's it's violence you've done, Carter. It's violence. <laughs> Look, it's, it's yeah. Or that by being quiet and like minding my own business, I'm violent, right? Um, it's it's ludicrous. And I've got you know we all have self esteem issues, but apparently mine aren't that deep. So it's it's funny that anyone would try and talk me into feeling guilty, but I don't think I don't think these people are reasoned into feeling guilty. I think they've got something else going on emotionally, and I'm wondering if you have any ideas of like what the hell's going on emotionally and psychologically for these people that they would even entertain the idea that they're guilty for things over which they have no control over their existence? I think it's a, I mean, that's a great question. It, 
there's definitely some mental health stuff, like a collective mental health thing going on. But, but there's also, it's like group hysteria and you get, it makes me think of uh, the crucible um, where you've got it, you know, somebody's accused of witchcraft for, with bad intent for bad reasons. And then you get people who start confessing to it, (laughs) like (laughs) false confessions. And it's like a hysteria where it just grows. And I don't know. I think um, a lot of these women like are in, online groups like this one. Um, they're in online communities where this is the religion. SJW ideology is the religion. Yeah. Um, they've been told that if they want to be anti-racist, that they must accept these things and they've accepted them. And so now that you've accepted them, you have to go and proselytize. You have to preach it and you have to, um, part of doing that as an ally, whether you're a male ally or white female ally or straight ally or whatever is that you have to constantly um, confess your privilege and you have to attack other, other people of your, in your group, in your oppressor group to show that you're one of the good ones. (laughs) And it's a, it's just a weird, I don't know. And there is, I don't know, but I I don't know if I'm answering it correctly because there is a whole guilt thing there and they project that quite astoundingly. Like if you, if I disagree with some of these women, no, okay, no, I used to believe all that stuff, but it's kind of not this BS. Um, they will say like, you know, you don't have to feel guilty to acknowledge it. And I'm like, no, I don't feel guilty. And I don't acknowledge what you're saying. <laughs> like I don't, but your guilt is that's what you feel. Um, yeah. I don't so, know if I, I don't know. It seems like there needs to be some like childhood problem in order to, I mean, why were you susceptible? I mean, I'm, I don't know. I mean, we don't hide well, out if you don't want to talk about this, but like, why were you susceptible to, 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 to going down this path? Like, did you just not feel good about yourself? Like what was going on? Well, I had childhood trauma. I had an abusive mother. I don't know. I've never really talked about that. We can cut this out if you want, Carrie. Okay. We can decide later if we're going to cut it out. <laughs> Yeah. In my case, yes. I don't know. I'm sure that had something to do with it. Um, like never being able to please this person who is not capable of loving you because of illness and, uh, some type of mental illness. Um, I don't know. I it gave me a sense of community. It does. It helps you feel like, um, it, it, it replaces God for you, although it's ultimately empty, but it's this, um, you know, way of, of feeling worthwhile about yourself. Yeah. Maybe if you come from a background where you you were shat on as a kid, it's like easier to succumb to this stuff. But I don't think that's the only, I don't, I, I don't think every SJW suffered childhood trauma. Like how, what an interesting study. Yeah. I want, I kind of want to do a study and I don't know that it would be severe childhood trauma, but I mean, maybe it would just, maybe there'd just be a correlation with like, absent parents or abuse or like there's the adverse childhood experience score, right? Just Mm -hmm. getting everyone to do an ACE test and like, like fill that out and figure out like, okay, how does the adverse childhood experience score correlate to your, uh, white guilt? (laughs) Right. Right. Does it correlate? Um, I bet some of them would probably exaggerate on that too, though. Like a lot of SJWs exaggerate their trauma and their pain and their issues. 
possibly. I mean, but the yeah, questions are on the ACE thing are pretty specific. Like, you know, was there a parent and yeah. drug problem? Like, you know, that's, I guess you could exaggerate and be like, my mom really liked caffeine. <laughs> so I, I, don't, I don't know. I don't um, know. Um, but no, they, they, well, they, they make a, they make an identity out of victimhood. So this is another reason why you see women on college campuses, SJWs who lie about rape um, because it gives them this perfect victim identity and to be able to, to um, in some cases like misconstrue and like go back and edit consensual sex and say that it was not consensual but in other cases to just make up out of whole cloth rape that didn't happen like in the uva case just to make something up um that kind of stuff is like encouraged i believe by the belief system of course of course it is yeah because being a victim is is uh is how you climb the social ladder right and i think some people oh this is very interesting actually so if you don't want to get over your child, let's say you have childhood trauma and you don't, you're not ready to get over it and you, you have made it your identity. This is the belief system that allows you to keep that and feel like a badge of honor about that in a way. Yeah, that's true. That's true. It is uh, like, a, well, if I get over it, I won't be a victim anymore. Um, so I don't know. The whole thing is, is scary, but I, you know, I, we should point out that it's funny, but it's real. Like it's, it's ridiculous. It's funny in that it's ridiculous, but it is real. And the ideology is, this is not a, this is not a corruption of the ideology. This is an application. This is a consistent application of the ideology. This is not someone corrupting social justice. This is social justice applied that's all this and it's racist and it's evil and these women are despicable for doing this and you know if you be aware be aware of this and don't 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 succumb to unearned guilt that's maybe if i had a message for today it would be be vigilant about unearned guilt. Never feel guilty for something you didn't do. Never, ever, ever. Don't feel guilty unless you did something. You'll, I'm sure you'll do something. We all do. Feel guilty for that. Apologize. Make restitution. But if you didn't do something directly, don't feel guilty. I love that. That's a great, that's a great thing to live by. And also, don't allow people to take your good intentions and twist them to turn you into a puppet for things that you abhor. Yeah. Uh, Recognizing when you're being manipulated, this whole, one of the problems with uh, the social justice pyramid of putting people based on their skin color or membership into some group into different levels in this hierarchy. One of the problems with it is you end up viewing people of a certain class as all good or all bad. And just like not all white people are bad, not all black women are good. Some of them are evil, uh, scumbag, blood-sucking, 
people who are going to take advantage of you, manipulate you, and steal your money and yell at you and break your silver, break your dishes or whatever it is. Like, it's these people are toxic. They're evil, and they're black women or women of color. Like, it is possible for anyone of any sex, sexual orientation, or race to be an evil son of a bitch. And that's important to remember because you, it is possible to just be taken advantage of by these people if you're not paying attention to the fact that, hey, they can be manipulative too. Black women who spout social justice can be manipulative bitches just trying to steal your money. There is a reason that ideology seeks to convince you that certain people can't be sexist. That's right. That, that is right. Can't be racist. <laughs> yes. Uh, there's there's a, reason. a reason. Yeah. <laughs> so that you're like, what's happening to me? It feels like racism, but it's not possible that it's racism. <laughs> yeah. That's a great point. That is a great point. It's the ultimate, the ideology, the social, social justice is the ultimate enabling ideology for psychopathy. Oh, totally. And they, they use and abuse the term gaslighting all the time. They are the biggest gaslighters, like beating you. We're not beating you. You know, they're like being racist to you. We're not being racist to you. We're yeah. being sexist to you. Yeah. You're, not being, You're being violent by not saying anything. <laughs> You're being You're violent. violent. <laughs> now we're going to throw milkshakes at you. <laughs> uh, all right. Well, on that note, um, I guess we should probably wrap it up because we can yeah. tell. Uh, and I've got a person here to pick up a doggy. So. Okay. Um, you want to say hey, I want to plug one thing before we go. Yeah. So I'm plugging my own. Go to civilitydinners.com or on Twitter, Civility Dinners. We haven't had one in a while because I've been focusing on unsafe space, but um, I'm about to announce a new one. And we do the opposite. Nobody's there to tell you how evil you are. It's just to get to know each other and understand each other better. So I'm signing well, off because I got to go say hi. All right. Bye. <laughs> Everyone, please don't forget to select the or click the subscribe button on YouTube. And we will see you tomorrow. Thanks for watching.